I am excited to share the Word of God with you tonight, and I'm excited to uh, get into the Word that uh, God has kind of poured into my spirit here. Um, You know, last week we talked about living a filtered life through the Word of God, and really applying this Word to everything that we do, and that God has intended for us to live a filtered life through His Word. And that he always intended for us to be able to walk this out and to use this to guide us along the way. And so we are called to live a filtered life. And and so uh, tonight, um, it's funny, is Beth and I were talking about a hundred different things maybe um, about what to do tonight. And we were uh, praying about a lot of different things. And tonight I'm going to make this very clear. And I believe that, uh, I pray that this speaks to your spirit. I pray that it um, that it makes you squirm a little bit. Uh, I pray that uh, the Holy Spirit speaks to you so well tonight that at times you feel like I just need to run out of this door because I can't handle much more of what uh, what He's speaking to me right now. And this is what uh, this is what we're gonna really be talking about. And I want you to I want this to just begin to sink into your spirit. The game is over. The game is over. I believe that tonight the word that God wants me to share with you is talking about that it is time to stop teasing in your relationship with God. That it is, listen, there are too many people that have been flirting with the idea of a relationship with God or serving God But their actions and priorities have never moved them to a committed relationship with God. So I'm here to tell you, game over. Because I believe that God is calling us to greater and to more and to deeper intimacy than we have ever known. And you don't get there by just flirting, right? You don't get there by just flirting alone. There's no depth in flirting, and I think for, what, for far too long, too many of us have been guilty of flirting with the idea of a relationship with God, as opposed to falling head over heels about who he is and everything that he has for us. And so tonight, I'm telling you, the foundation that I believe God has laid is a foundation for you to stop thinking about everything else and to get your heart and your mind fixed on him. That's what God wants to do tonight. 16 years ago on Valentine's Day, I asked Bethany to be my girlfriend, okay? Now everyone's like, oh, that's so sweet. Um, I picked Valentine's Day so I wouldn't forget it. It was smart, right? Tactical. Um, I want to tell you this because um, I'm going to start with this story because I think it's important because I really feel like God was showing me something in this story, okay? So... Let me, uh, so Beth and I, we had been talking on the phone for hours upon hours upon hours for days, right? Um, And so that's what we were doing, right? Bethany's favorite thing, if you guys don't know this, Bethany's absolute favorite thing in the world to play ever is what she calls the question game, okay? The question game is this game where literally you would have to ask someone a question and hear what they thought or what their opinion was. And then that person would have to ask you a question back and forth. Okay. It's just back and forth. And that was how we got to know everything about each other. Like literally everything. Any questions for, I mean, ketchup or mustard, 
like literally to that, to that level that we would talk about it. Now I will tell you, there was at one point that she frightened me very good. Now she's, I, I don't know how she got me. Maybe it was because it was over the phone and I didn't see her. And one of the questions I asked her, I was like, um, cause I mean, we were vetting each other out is what we were doing because that's what you should do. Um, if you're going to get serious in a relationship. And so we were vetting each other out. And so I asked her, I said, uh, um, do you do drugs? I wanted to know. I was just like, hey, she was probably like ketchup or mustard. And I was like, do you do drugs? No. Uh, <laughs> she's like, um, um, and literally what she said to me, she was like, well, yeah, I think everybody does. And I was like on the other line, like, oh my gosh, this is over. I was like, are you serious? Like, I mean, I, I totally bought into this. And she was like, oh my gosh, no, 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 no. So here we are, we're playing the question games, and there comes a point where I'm like, okay, I, I need to kind of lock this relationship into something moving forward, okay? And so I had this, this creative plan in my mind, okay? Um, but to get this plan executed, I had to figure out how to get into her locker, and I didn't know how to get into her locker because I didn't know her combination. So in our chats, uh, one day I just told her, I said, you know, I've got a really weird locker combination. It's blah, blah, blah. Um, is yours weird like that? And she was like, no, mine is blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that was way easier than I thought. <laughs> way easier than I thought. <laughs> so I get her locker combination. We have, um, we have a class together at this point, and uh, it was Mr. Dietrich's class. For anyone who knows Goshen teachers, you know Mr. Dietrich. Awesome, good man of God. Just, it was a great teacher, okay? And uh, so I slip out of Mr. Dietrich's class for a minute. She thought I was mad at her, and what I do is I go in, and I, I had flowers and chocolates and a whatever, like all these different things, and a, and a, a sign that I had printed, because if I had uh, written it with my fingers, there's no way she would have ever understood what I was asking, um, and asked her to be my girlfriend. Now, so when she comes out of the class, she goes to her locker and she sees us. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are thinking she immediately said yes because of my rugged good looks and because of my, why did you laugh so hard on that? Uh, because, and because of my affinity for flannel and all those things that she was like, absolutely, okay? But if I was being completely honest with you, and I think she would tell you the same thing, the reason she said yes in that moment was because of pressure, she didn't actually say yes because she was ready to commit to being in a relationship with me. She's told me this. She said yes because when she opened that locker, there were other people around looking at her. And so she wasn't about to break this dude's heart, right? So she said yes. Her reasoning behind saying yes was because she felt pressured to do it. And so here's what I believe that the word of God is going to do to you today. It is going to pressure you into your relationship with him because that's what he's intended for you. And so this is good pressure, right? There is good pressure and there is bad pressure, right? Bad pressure is when someone stomps on my toes or I step on a Lego, right? Good pressure is what I believe the word is going to, to show us tonight. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter seven. We are going to start in Matthew chapter seven uh, we're going to be reading verses 21 through 23. <clears throat> and as we prepare to get into this word, I want to caution you as we go in to read this because I believe that without a doubt, this is the most terrifying scriptures of all time. I believe that these are the scriptures 
that I read, and I got to be honest with you, they are a little bit scary, and they are incredibly intimidating. And that's why I believe that these are the scriptures that God has intended for us to read tonight, okay? This is, this is something I want, you to, I want you to get this into your spirit, what this says, because this is, this is crazy. Okay, um, starting in verse 21, this is what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I want to read that again. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now, I'm going to continue reading here, but I just, that is already terrifying in itself to me. There is so much right in there that when you read, and there are a lot of people who cry, Lord, Lord, but this is telling us that it's the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. This is challenging, okay? 22, this is what it says. Because it only gets harder, just so you know. I'm just warning you. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty many mighty works in your name and then will i declare to them i never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness or iniquities, as some versions will say. Church, this passage right here has got to be one of the biggest eye-opening passages in the entire New Testament for me. Because this scripture should be causing us to search our hearts daily. Every single day, we should be searching our hearts. Because, guys, this isn't... um, this isn't a small thing. These are, these are people who were saying, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many mighty works in your name. And the Lord is saying to them, depart from me because I don't know. I did not know who you were. This is, this is heavy, guys. And lawlessness, you know, I looked up the, the Greek word, which is um, anomia, okay, which means without law from either A, Ignorance of the law or B, blatantly violating it. Now, if we were all honest in this room, I would tell you, and if I asked this, hands would go up, that almost every one of us have blatantly violated this at some point in our life. Some of us would be like, dude, I did it like two hours before I got here. Like... And when I think about this, we need to understand the severity of living a life where we aren't doing the will of the Father. There are so many pressures on us today, guys, to do so many things. And it doesn't matter what you do. If you are not walking in the will of the Father, it doesn't work, guys. 
This isn't a small thing. This isn't a suggestion that we're talking about. We're talking about eternity. This impacts all of eternity, what you were doing here on earth. And so every little decision that you make, you need to be thinking, is this, am I walking into the will of the Father? Am I walking in this? Because guess what? It's not just um, your Saturday evening that's at stake. There's so much more that's at stake with this, guys. There is so much more. And we, we are, are often too guilty of not living this out the way that God has wanted us to. We've, we've made it a little game where, you know what, Saturday nights, I'll kind of do this whole Jesus thing. Maybe Sunday mornings, I'll do this whole Jesus thing. But outside of that, I don't know. See, we're making decisions today And all we're thinking about is today. We're not thinking about eternity. We're thinking about, uh, and it's not enough for us to just think about tomorrow. We're talking about eternity. So what we do today is we sacrifice and sacrifice what this says in exchange for friendship, in exchange for notoriety, in exchange for pleasure, and the whole time, what we're doing, guys, is we are charting out our path for eternity. See, nothing, nothing is more important than your eternity. Nothing is more important than your family's eternity. Nothing. Nothing can take any, any level of importance over this, okay? We cannot expect to walk through the pearly gates living lives that are contrary to what this book says. That's blatantly violating what the word of God says, right? And so some of you um, may live a life where you'll say, well, luckily, I don't know what it says, so I'm good. (laughs) That's not the way it works. (laughs) Because by not knowing the word, you're blatantly violating what it says to do, which is know my word, right? Right? We need to be the ones who do the will of the Father in heaven. Above every other thing, listen, above our own desires. See, if our desires aren't aligned with the will of the Father, then why do we want them? We, are not, we cannot be focused on tomorrow. We need to be focused on eternity. Because what we're doing here too often is we're, we're tying up time, we're tying up things on this earth that, guess what, we don't need them to be bound in earth. Because <laughs> it, it won't matter in heaven. It won't matter in heaven how much you did this or how much you did that or how often you were here or how many friends you had. None of that will matter because it comes down to your relationship with him. And so if you find yourself constantly just flirting with the idea of a relationship with him and never jumping in to this thing that God has for you, you won't get it. You won't get it. And I want every single one of us to get it. I want every single one of us to get it so much that every decision that we do is laced in prayer. Every step that we take, every place that we go, we need that as a body. We need to walk that out. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9. I believe that this passage here highlights to us how important it is for us to get this right. How important it is for us to get ourselves in the right spot and the right condition for this, okay? This passage is going to highlight not only that, but what is necessary to live out this life that God has called us to. What do we have to do? Now get ready because this is a little crazy. 
Mark chapter 9, we're going to read verses 43 through 48. It says, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Now, for some of you, you're like, wow, that escalated very quickly. (laughs) If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. Guys, that is as real as it gets for us right there. I'm telling you right now, when you start thinking about cutting your hand off because it is causing you to sin, this is how serious this whole relationship thing is. If the scripture is encouraging you to chop your hand off, <laughs> that, is a, that is an analogy that is eye-opening, right? Now, I, I don't have any swords or anything. Don't worry. <laughs> We're not doing a hand-cutting-off sermon. That's not our thing. But, but it shows us, guys, that it's better for us to go through life without our hand than to find ourselves in hell. And too often, we're not willing to cut off the things that need to be cut off to make sure that our relationship with Jesus is right. We can't live like this. Let's, let's read what else it says, okay? It says, if your foot causes you to sin, guess what it tells you to do? <laughs> cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Guys, If nothing else, this passage continues to highlight the severity of our decisions and the things that we have to be serious about. While I understand that this passage can be pretty gruesome in nature, if you consider what it's really telling us to do here, right? These, I think we need to be thinking of these drastic measures when we think about the things that are defiling us today. We are the temples of God. And we are letting things into our life that should never be there. We have got things, we have opened up doors to spirits and to things that God never intended for us to be encountering and be with. And the problem is we opened the door. Well, I'm not talking about someone came to you and they were really mean and they did this mean thing. I'm talking about we made these decisions. Cutting off a hand, a foot, tearing out eyes, this could be some of the worst imaginable experiences for me and Earth. Like, I read those stories where someone had a boulder fall on their arm and they had to cut their arm off. You guys have read stories like that, right? You read things like that, and I think, think of the, think of everything that's going on in your brain, Right? Because everything in your brain is saying, do not cut yourself, right? Everything. But you know in your spirit that if you're going to live, you're going to have to cut it off. 
This is how I think we need to start looking at the things that keep tripping us up. See, because we don't look at them seriously enough to say, I need to cut my hand off. For you to get to that level, that's pretty severe, right? (laughs) To get to the point where you're going to cut your hand off or cut your foot off or pluck your eye out, this is serious, guys. And what's happened is we, we have gotten so so lack in our relationship with him that we have allowed ourselves to reason out of why we don't cut things out of our lives. We have created purpose behind ungodly things and use them to prop up our own sin. We use this little saying that I am growing to hate and I've said it many times. And there's this, and it's it's frequented in the church. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. Now, I have heard this often. I have said this often. But the question is: Are you saying God knows my heart to justify your sin? Because if you are. God knows your heart. (laughs) Like you understand that, right? (laughs) And too often we have subjected ourselves to things and we've, we've made it okay because we've said, well, God knows my heart. Or we've said things like, you know what? God doesn't, God's not, he's not that serious about it. Like he, he doesn't really want me to cut my hand off or he, he doesn't really want me to, to pull away from these things. He, that's, that's not really what God wants me to do because he still wants me to be there to minister to people. Right. And, and so he still, I still need to go in there and I still need to do a couple of things because it opens up a door for me to, no. Right. If the word says no, no means no. Right? If the word directs us in ways, and listen, here's the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. Because you are equipped with the Holy Spirit, and you know what the Holy Spirit does? It leads you. And you know what it does? It checks you. And it tells you, whoa, why did you just do that? Or whoa, don't you dare go where you're thinking about going. Or hey, don't find yourself in that, in that position again. The, the Holy Spirit will guide us in that. And while he knows our heart, we know what his word says. And it's not okay. This is, this is not the game that God always intended to play with us. You know, where, hey, you know, it'd be really cool if these people, um, you know, that they sought my face every now and then. Um, and, you know, they just kind of played around with my relationship. I mean, how would you feel if that was your relationship with your spouse? That wouldn't go well in my household, right? In and out, not sure of whether they're really going to show up, not sure of if they're really going to put their heart into it, not sure if they're actually willing to sacrifice for you the way that they're supposed to. We need to, sa- listen, cutting a hand off and a foot off and an eye off, really all that is, guys, it's all about sacrifice, that's a sacrifice. Bethany and I, I told you guys we're reading through um, uh, chronologically the word uh, this year. And we have been reading all about sacrifice right now. Guys, reading about sacrifice is crazy. Okay. If you don't read about it, like you got to take two turtle doves, you got to break their neck, you got to pour the blood out of one into one pan, you got to sprinkle it on the side of the altar. Like there is so much stuff going on. So much stuff. But what we see when we see that is we see God intended his people to sacrifice. Now, I'm not telling you we need to go chop up the dogs next door. That would be very bad. We would get a reputation 
really, really quick. Um, I mean, the word would spread, but it would not be a good word, what would be spreading. But what I am telling you is that there are some things in your life that need to be sacrificed, right? The enemy, and I want to remind you this, um, in case you don't really get this, the devil is your enemy. He's your enemy. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your eternity. He wants to destroy your purpose. He wants to destroy your family. And it's time that we start acting like we're in battle as opposed to acting like we're in a parade, guys. We need to start acting like we are in battle and not in a parade. This whole Jesus thing, guys, it is so much more. And we are belittling what we are doing because we are not actually subjecting ourselves to what it says. We are going through motions and motions and motions. That's a parade. That's what that is. It's a parade. It looks good. It gets people excited. It may get people, hey, you know what? They're doing a parade. Let's go to the parade. And I've told you for so long, there's a hundred things that we could do as a church plant to just blow up. But I don't care about it. Because what I care about is I care about sacrifice. I care about doing things in such a way that it's pleasing to God more than people look at you and say, you're doing a really good thing because you got 150 people. I don't care about that. Because what I believe that the word, listen, Jesus took 12 people and changed the world. And I believe that what God is trying to stir up in every single one of you today is something that will change the world. But we can't keep justifying our excuses and our sins. We can't do it. We're getting frustrated, angry, Bitter about things that have no influence on eternity. We're mad about our jobs. We're mad about our raise. We're, we're mad about the drive that we have to take to work. We're mad about the experience we have with this person. We're mad about so many things and we're angry and we've allowed bitterness to set in so much that we don't even see what God has for us. And guess what? None of it matters when it comes to eternity. We have got to get, listen, vision. Um, I'm a visionary. I, I, I'm a, I, I like to cast vision. I like, I'm an idea guy. I like to come up with crazy ideas. That's, that's me, okay? But in all of my ideas and all of my things, what's more important than any of it is that I capture the vision of the Father for my eternity. And you know how you do that? You talk to him about it, Right? You talk to him about it now. You don't talk to him about it once you get to heaven, right? Because what's he going to say? He's going to say, depart from me. I didn't know you. Listen, the emphasis in that scripture is God wants to know your spirit. He wants to know you. And too often we're putting up walls and we're not allowing him in. Men, we are so bad at this. We are so bad at this because we won't, we, we won't allow ourselves to be broken and subjected to what this says. I've been there. I've been afraid of the Holy Spirit. I've been afraid of what Jesus will do. I've been afraid of those things. I've been there in my life. And let me tell you, it doesn't get you anywhere. When you, are, when you become willing to be broken, that's when everything changes. And not just broken alone in your home, but broken in front of people. Because we're broken.
We're broken. This whole, this whole deal, guys, is that we have to recognize that we're, we're, putting, uh, we're putting emphasis on things that do not impact eternity. And we're not even acknowledging the fact that we are headed down a path of destruction that's not going to drag only ourselves into hell, but it's going to drag our family with us if we don't get this right. We have an example to set every single one of us. We have an example to set for, our, for maybe our kids, for maybe our, our brother or our sister or our parents. Whatever it is, there is nothing, say nothing, nothing more important than God, guys. Nothing. Nothing. Your job doesn't matter. Your paycheck doesn't matter. Your house doesn't matter. Your things don't matter. None of it matters. We have put such a priority on all these things. And as we've done it, God's priority has slowly fallen. A little lower, a little lower, and a little lower. Turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I believe that this is what, this is part of what we need to just get into our spirit, guys. Is what the word says in James 4. Verses 4 and 5 says this. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. I want to read that again. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or at they are an enemy with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world, listen here, makes himself an enemy of God. Guys, there's not a person here that can afford to be an enemy of the one true God. It says, or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. I told you a little bit last week that he is a jealous God. And we talked, we touched on this a little bit, but I, I want you to understand this. He wants to know you so much, so deeply, that he's jealous for the spirit that is in you. We have people and we have churches who are trying to cuddle up with the world. And it breaks my heart. Beth and I, we pray for people and we pray for specific things that come on. There's a phrase that we often say, and we say this all the time. We've said this for years. We used to say it about the kids in our youth ministry. And it was this, I just want them to get it. I just, I just want them 
to get it. I want, I want them to get the word for themselves. I want them to get Jesus. I want them to get how much he loves them. I want them to get how serious the things that we watch and the things that we do and the places that we go, how serious these things are. Listen, my kids are conditioned because you know what? I don't want them to go to hell. My kids are conditioned. There are places that my kids go that they'll put on shows and you know what my kids will say? We don't watch this because it's against what God says. And some people get mad at my kids. <laughs> but they know. Because when we look in the word, and the word clearly tells us the things that we're not supposed to be involved in, and the things we're not supposed to follow, and the things we're not supposed to do. And then so often the church blindly walks into it. Blindly walks into the things that God has said, don't do that. Don't be a part of that. And then we, we jump right in. We jump into that left and right, and we don't jump into the things of God. Well, I'm telling you guys, the game is over. It's up. It's over because guess what? Jesus was perfect. Jesus was generous. He was loving. He was full of mercy. He was full of grace. He was all the right things. And what did the world do to him? They murdered him. And here we are coming up to that same world and we're trying to cuddle up and fit in. I don't want to fit in. I don't care about fitting in. It doesn't matter because you know where I'm going? Eternity. And my eternity is going to be in heaven. You know why? Because the decisions that I make today, I know that they impact eternity. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried how it's going to set up my schedule for tomorrow. I'm not, going to, I'm not worried about how it's going to create a relationship tomorrow. I'm not worried about whether it's going to get me that promotion. I'm not worried about any of those things. What I'm worried about is pleasing the Father. Because when we get fixated on pleasing him, listen, if, if Bethany and I, um, if Bethany and I are together and we don't work hard to please each other in our marriage, that's a problem, guys. It's a problem. She works hard to try to serve me well. And I work hard to try to serve her well. Do we mess up? Heck yeah, we do. <laughs> we bicker. We fight. I think Chris and, uh, um, Chris and them said, you guys sound like an old married couple today. <laughs> well, we are a married couple. <laughs> we ain't old. Don't take it that far. <laughs> Beth still feels like she's 18. She says that all the time. We have to stop playing Christianity. And this has got to be so serious to your spirit because your eternity is on the line, guys. It's not simple. It's not easy. It's hard. It's really hard. But we, we play along with the world when, when we honestly look at it. And if we really think about it, we're probably in relationship with the world a lot more than we're in relationship with God. It's not okay. Galatians 5.25 says that if we live by the Spirit, then let us also walk by the Spirit. Right? And what that's saying, there's plenty of us that say, I live by the Spirit, but we're not walking it. We're not walking and saying that we are actually led by the Spirit, right? This whole Christian and world thing, it is a division. Jesus, you know, um, people, people will be like, oh, we should, we're all just supposed to come together right? We're all just supposed to come together and love each other. Coexist, man, right? That's what we're supposed to do. That's, that's, what, that's what all our bumper stickers say, right? You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I came 
and I brought a sword. And that sword is going to cause division between everyone and everything. And so we imagine this Jesus as this person who comes, right? We've all seen the, we've all seen the paintings and the pictures, right? Um, where he's sitting here on a rock. He's got a, a, a perfectly white lamb in his arms because I think he just sat there and, and held sheep, I guess. I don't know. Um, and so he's got this perfectly, and everyone's around him, and everyone's just nice, and everyone's like, hey, Jesus, he's telling us stuff. And it looks like that. And so what we we're trying to do is we're trying to model that in the world. We're trying to get our sheep. I don't have any sheep. Jimmy, do you guys have sheep? No. Shauna, they don't have sheep either, do they? Man. No, that's not good. (laughs) We see this picture, right? We see this picture of Jesus like that. And we're trying to recreate this image that the world has shown us of Jesus. Can I tell you that pretty much every picture that you've ever seen of Jesus is wrong? Almost every single picture of him is wrong. He doesn't look like that. You know, people would portray Jesus to look beautiful. I'm sorry, but he wasn't. He is to us, but he wasn't according to the word. They said he wasn't something. They literally, the word literally says he really wasn't anything to look at. <laughs> it's practically what it says, right? And we, we are trying to create environments and create places where we just say it's okay. It's okay to be wrong. And I'm not saying that we as a church, we don't open our door to people, right? But what I will say to people is it's not okay to stay like this. It's not okay. I had, uh, I told you the other week that I had someone reach out to me and uh, um, they were reaching out to me to see if this person who was living in sin would be welcome at my church. I said, of course they'd be welcome here. But we don't necessarily agree with what they're doing. And they're like, oh, there's no one there that would love this person. No, 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 we'll all love the person. But we're going to teach them the word. And for that, sometimes churches won't grow. Because people get afraid of that. But let me tell you what will happen is the Holy Spirit will be enabled to move in a mighty way. Guess how the 12 disciples changed the word. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were empowered. And they walked in that power. We can't keep making decisions today on today only. We need to recognize what's happening. I want to, I want, I'm going to, give you this illustration. Some of you have probably seen this illustration. It is a great illustration from Francis Chan. I love it. I love it. Okay. And Jimmy was so nice to help me out and he got me this awesome rope, right? This rope is awesome. I love this rope. Okay. So if you, uh, um, if you haven't seen it, um, I'm going to, I want to talk to you a little bit about this, um, this story, right? I want you to understand this. This rope, and you can see I've got plenty of it here. It's a nice thick rope. It's actually really awesome. Um, I was really excited when Jimmy was, I was like, I was sitting here. I was like, I need, I need a cool rope, man. Where can I get a cool rope? And so I started asking Beth. I was like, do I have a cool rope anywhere? I was like, no, I don't have any cool ropes, man. I need to start collecting ropes, I guess. And I was like, you know who I bet has a cool rope? Jimmy. I don't know why. I just, Jimmy was the first person I thought of. And so I reached out to him. I was like, Jimmy, do you have a cool rope? He was like, I got like a one inch. I was like, yeah, cool rope. So, so let, me, let me talk to you about this. this. This rope is intended to really represent um, your life, okay? 
This is like your timeline of your life. I'm a big timeline guy. I love timelines. Like even when I go to websites, I like to read their timeline because it's really cool because you can see like different things that happen at different times. I just, I don't know. I like timelines a lot. I don't know why. Um, but I hate history. It's so weird. I don't understand it. Um, I'm weird. But this, this rope is intended to really highlight to you what your life looks like. So there's plenty of life here, right? Like it's coiled up. I asked Jimmy, I was like, is it long? He's like, yeah. Uh, so this works perfect. But when you look at this life, right, when you look at your timeline, when you look at everything that God has for you, when you look at everything that he's intended for you, when you look at your life, okay, see this little piece of black tape? That's your time on earth. That's your time on earth. See, we are making decisions on this that impact a whole lot more, guys. And we're worried about how many followers we have, how many Facebook friends we have, how many events we're a part of, all of these different things. And, And at the end of the day, guys, we're not placing an emphasis on knowing him above everything else, above your job. When's the last time that you showed up late to work and you said, I'm so sorry, I was in my word and I couldn't get out of it? Now, I don't think they would take that as an excuse. <laughs> but when's the last time that you allowed God to speak to you like that? When's the last time that the decision that you were making were about more than the way you wanted to be perceived by people and it was more about what God had for you. When's the last time that happened? Because this is, this is significant, guys. This isn't little. This isn't short. This is eternity. This is, you know, to take it from the sandlot, right? Forever. <laughs> this is serious. And we are so fixated on this. Worried about what things we have and everything that comes with that. If you would stand with me. Here's the thing that I believe that God is bringing us to tonight. I believe that some of you need to cut some things out of your life tonight. We do a... um, for a while, uh, Bethany and I would help uh, lead uh, a, a youth uh, conference of some sort, I would call it. It was called Consumed. And what we would do at Consumed is we would take these teens through this journey and bring them to a place where they were literally going through this process, where they were cutting some things out of their life. And what would happen at this event is we would end up opening up this, this altar and we would have students bringing, we'd say, you have some things in your cabin right now that you weren't supposed to have with you. You've got some things, some addictions, some problems, some whatever it is that you've brought with you. And if you're going to get serious about this Jesus thing, you should bring them now. And I'm telling you, we would do this. Kids that had never been to consumed ever in their life, they would go running, running to their cabins, running. 
and they would come out and we would look like, the leaders, we would look at each other like, we've really got to start checking these kids' backs. <laughs> we would see drugs. We would see cigarettes. We'd see alcohol. We'd see love notes. They would bring their cell phones. And they would just begin to lay this stuff. They would bring stuffed animals that they brought that, that maybe someone in a relationship that they shouldn't be in had given them. And that's how they thought about them. And then they realized, wait a minute, this person is causing me to live in sin. And it is not what God has intended to me. And all of a sudden, we would have a pile. I'm telling you, a pile of things up here. And you know what we would do? <laughs> We'd start a fire out back. And we wouldn't let them burn their cell phones because <laughs> mom and dad could kill us if that was the case. <laughs> but we would start a fire and we would stand around that fire and we would worship and student after student would begin to throw things into this fire. And here's the thing. The students do such a great job because they're in a place in their life where they're looking for relationship often, Right? The problem that we run into is when we become adults, we look at a relationship with God as weird, right? We get this wrong. And the whole, the whole thing that I believe that God is calling us to do is to cut some things out of our lives. God wants to rid you of addiction. He wants to rid you of sin. He wants to rid you of disease. He wants to do all of this for you. He longs to do it. And let me, let me um, I'm going to tell you a, a story. There was someone in my life that I care about greatly. And this, these people had fallen into addiction. And I knew in my heart that God was calling me to go speak with them and try to pull them out of their addiction. And I went to him and I said, we've got a problem because you're dealing with addiction. And I believe that God wants to rid you of this addiction right now. And it was alcohol is what it was. Completely addicted to alcohol. And I was so bold to say to them, I know it's in your house right now and I think we should go grab it and I think we should dump it down the sink together right now. And you know, they, they looked at me and they said, uh, well, you don't know what we're dealing with. We're dealing with pain. We've got this pain and, it, and, it, and it's so hard to deal with the pain. And so we've fallen into that because it helps us with the pain. And you, and you know what they said to me? They said, you know what? We're, we're, we're sad because you know why we're sad? Because you've given up on prayer, Tom. And I went, whoa, how did that happen? I said, what do you mean? And they said, because you felt so much that God couldn't, couldn't get rid of this addiction for us that you had to come tell us to get rid of it. And so you've given up on prayer, and that's sad. And I said, you know that I believe that if you'd be open to it, that I could pray for you right now, and that pain that you're using the alcohol to get over would go away. If you would be open to it, you would receive that. See, it's not about me giving up on praying for someone to receive, but it's, it's, on, it's on someone not being willing to pray to what God has for them. 
And tonight, he wants to cut some things out of your life that you have allowed in. Things that were never intended to be there. Things that never were supposed to be there. And things that are deterring you from knowing him. This is what God wants to do tonight. And so I'm going to, be, I'm going to open this altar up. And, and as they get ready to play this song, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to seek God out. I want you to seek him out and say, God, what are, what are the things that are impacting my eternity that I'm not looking at? What are the things that you are, are speaking to my spirit right now that you want to be ripped out of my life that I'm holding on to too tightly that I won't let go of? I don't know if it's anger. I don't know if it's a constant feeling of being offended. I don't care if it's an addiction. I don't care what it is, but we, we have some things that we need to turn over to God. And we need to start looking at all that rope that he's got for us and we need to start putting an emphasis on that. And if you are someone that when you come to pray, you're like, listen, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know this whole Jesus thing and I need someone to come pray with me, grab us. I'll be right here. We want to pray for you. And if you say, you know what, Tom, I have been praying about this over and over and over and over and I just need some people to pray with me because I don't even know what to say anymore, grab us. Don't be ashamed to grab us, Okay. Now, if I feel the Holy Spirit speak to me that says I need to go pray with that person, then I'm going to go pray with that person. But this is our time to respond to the word because the word is true. And your eternity, guys, is worth it. I don't want any of us to go to hell. I don't want any of our kids to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell. So we need to cut some things out of our life.